like every grandmother, no <laughs> one could have prepared me oh. for how they change your life. It's total unconditional love. Hello, you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you, be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. And I am thrilled to be launching episode 16 of Truthbook. Your reviews and feedback thus far have been so encouraging. Some of my favourite comments. I can definitely relate to other parents' experiences and always good to hear other worst parent moments to make you feel better. And of course, it's always nice to hear, oh my God, I just love this. So thank you. And when I asked my guests, what was it like coming on Truthbook? I got more than I was expecting. Ruth from episode three, who spoke about adventures in New Zealand with kids, said it was enlightening, thought-provoking and strangely therapeutic. And Elaine from episode 13, who spoke about rheumatoid arthritis and parenting, said, Doing Truthbook was transformative. It helped me process and collate some of the many thoughts I had about parenting that I hadn't previously articulated. I also reflected that as my guests shared their challenges and successes, they all became more human to me. A number of guests shared parts of their lives that are so complex and painful that they didn't want me to include them in Truthbook. I'm grateful that they felt able to share and hope that by sharing their experiences, they felt a little less alone with them. So who better to quote from than Winnie the Pooh? When you are a bear, a very little brain, and you think of things, you find sometimes that a thing which seemed very thingish inside you is quite different when it gets out into the open and has other people looking at it. On to episode 16, my first grandmother and my wonderful yoga teacher, Annette. Annette's words warmed my heart as she shared her experience of being ill as a child with an underactive thyroid, her passion for seeing the good in people and inclusivity and how this has run through generations of her family and her journey as a grandmother. Annette, thank you so much for sharing your truth book with me. I'm normally in your yoga class with my mm -hmm. eyes closed, trying to remember my rights and lefts. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to be chatting to you with my eyes open. You were introduced to yoga when you lived in a remote village in Bali mm -hmm. in 1975 mm -hmm. and have been teaching yoga and Pilates since 1994. Mm -hmm. And you've gone on to specialise in yoga for people with all kinds of conditions, mm -hmm. MS, cancer, immune disorders, and people with intellectual disabilities and you're specialising now in lymphatic and immune systems yeah. and you are passionate about yes. enabling yeah. all students to access your teaching whatever their conditions yes. and wherever they are yeah. and you're highly qualified you've got mm -hmm. several qualifications but in particular a, a master's in medical sciences mm -hmm. and you produced research in the effects of yoga on women with secondary iron lymphedema from breast cancer and you've earned yourself a well-deserved reputation 
in the field of rehabilitation and are a sought after speaker nationally and internationally. Mm-hmm. You moved to Northwest Tasmania in 2018 mm-hmm. to Penguin, mm-hmm. which is a place we both love yeah. and also has a wonderful community yeah. that we're a part of. Yeah. You're also a mum and grandmother. Yeah. So you are my first granny to come on Truthbook. Good, and that was why we moved to Penguin, to be near my family who needed me. Yeah. Lovely. We never intended to move here. Oh, and you'll be glad that you have. Yes. Because we're sitting in your beautiful home, looking yeah. out over the hills of Penguin. Yeah. Um, and it's something we often talk about in our classes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, what the a beauty of nature. Yeah. And the community here. Yeah. As a child, you had your own physical health mm-hmm. difficulties, and I'd like to start off by asking what impact that now has on your yoga teaching and how that influenced you getting into yoga. Yeah, maybe it didn't influence me to get into yoga, mm. but I was, my parents and my family lived in a rural area of New South Wales, so I had an undiagnosed condition that my aunt actually insisted my mother take me up to Sydney and I was diagnosed and then treated well. And had I not been diagnosed and treated well, I would have had a totally different life, including intellectual disability. So I suppose because I was ill as a child, I've always been aware of having access and I had wonderful parents who gave us access to all kinds of nationalities. They always had everyone of every nationality home in the days when people didn't do that. And they took us travelling overseas, in fact, because Dad worked as a navigator with Qantas after being in the war in the Air Force to pay for my medical bills, actually. And Mum had, well, both my parents were brought up in the Depression, so they knew what having nothing was like. So they were both insistent that we treated everyone equally and we went and lived in remote areas all over the world and were always taught to mix with everyone and ask everyone home. So I guess whether from my illness or from my amazing parents, I've always highly believed in everyone having access to everything. So my other career, which I also still do online, has been working with refugees, teaching them English as a second language. And then I was ill once as a young adult and a friend taught me some yoga. And then I went and lived in remote um, villages in Bali where yoga was a part of their life. So ever since then I've done yoga, which is funny because now the West has taken these very expensive retreats to Bali and yet in the remote villages then we had kerosene lamps and would take us two days to get to my main village, Budakling, in northeast Bali. It was just part of the life and then people went and worked in the rice fields or the women did their weaving. And so I've never forgotten my grassroots. I've never gone on a retreat in Bali because (laughs) I kind of think there's something a bit ironic about what's happened there really (laughs) yes yeah but it has changed and it's a bit cliched now to go to bali and do yoga but you were there when in and and part of the the poorest of poor village people we got up and did 
some chanting salutes to the sun we fasted it was also parallel to the Balinese calendar fasting days or ceremony days so it was really interwoven I'm into the life where I lived it wasn't this separate thing was certainly not glamorous the Balinese dogs would be yelping around us eating the offerings and someone as they do did in Bali I don't know I haven't been there recently we just hit them out of the way (laughs) and then we get on with doing our whatever meditation or salute to the sun or whatever so and how have you seen yoga change then because you've been practicing yourself since 1994 and it's you said you know, with the retreats in Bali yeah I think it's now accessible to everyone which is great there's the biggest change I started seeing about 15 years ago there's every name of yoga you can invent so often when people ask me what kind of yoga I teach I don't know the answer because when I studied yoga it was just hatha yoga that you're trying to create equanimity in the mind whatever people's conditions through different practices whether they're physical or chanting or meditation so that's the biggest change but in doing that it's given access to yoga to many more people than anyone would ever have imagined when I started teaching it was all voluntary now it's one of the biggest businesses in the world with its own equipment and fashion labels (laughs) and I've tried to keep my accessible and affordable if students can't afford I always tell them never let that be a reason to not come so I've tried to live by the what I thought was the true essence of yoga that it's accessible to everyone so but sometimes that everyone likes the more trendier approach and that's just the era they've been born in so what I've experienced is different to a new yoga teacher but I've trained a lot of yoga teachers through yoga therapy training and you know they're so keen and they're so multi-skilled and qualified there's a whole lot of yoga therapists coming up who are wonderful so I've seen the full development of yoga and yoga study which is wonderful really and now that yoga is so much more known about and accessible Mm. how do you deal with the yoga skeptics I can't say I have any anymore Mm. when I applied to do my master's about 12 years ago which was just out of dedication everyone was really excited whereas Mm. 10 years prior to that there was a lot of skepticism you couldn't teach in various places because they thought it was some crazy religion accidentally I got into working with people with lymphedema from cancer treatment I used to in the early 90s try to contact people who work with lymphedema and ask if what I was doing was correct and they wouldn't meet me and now they ask me to speak at conferences I'm speaking at one in the end of May in the Australasian Lymphology Association's two-yearly conference is being held there it was cancelled because of COVID two years ago and now it's on again so yeah that's how popular yoga is now medical people are really interested I, I can't say anyone I haven't had any scepticism for about 20 years. So. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it, yeah. that it's becoming so much more accepted yeah. Into, yeah. into the community. Yeah. I mean, even just 
the other day we were doing yoga on the beach and there was a, a lady doing her tai chi yeah which was lovely no care in the world yeah that um anyone might think this was unusual. that's right yeah. yeah yeah and wonderful that the medical society are much more open uh, yeah. because it is an alternative medicine with it's not alternative it's complementary complementary yeah. and there's a lot of evidence now actually mm. and the trials are becoming bigger and bigger so yes. the government hasn't recognized that in that mm. they stop private health funds from rebating yoga which is ridiculous saying that there's no evidence base but actually there's an increasing and enlarging evidence base again in the last 12 years and the trials are becoming bigger and bigger. So on most health sites now, they will say do yoga or meditation, which has been a big change in the past. They'd say don't do it. But what I say to people is make sure the teacher knows what you've got and knows how to treat that. As a trainer of trainee yoga therapist I was really strict because I thought if I couldn't send my elderly mo mother to you I'm not going to um, pass you unless you demonstrated to me if you know what I mean mm -hmm. so I think it's very important yoga teachers and yoga therapists are well qualified which is happening now and there's more accreditation happening so hopefully the government in Australia will start rebating in the private health mm -hmm. sector yoga again yeah just to, to acknowledge how important yes, it is and how yeah. the health benefits looking back to your days we well, still are a mum but of a mum of young children were you practicing yoga yeah and, and both and my boys who are now 40 mm. and 38 mm. have always done yoga and they mm. still do it as one became a elite circus performer and one as well as other things became kickboxer he was i think the australasian champion and yet they both have always done yoga and approached everything I would say from a meditative yogic view of seeing um, the good in the other person in spite of their unusual careers and pastimes they adopted. Mm, yeah. That's yes or circus and, and kickboxing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think that would go with yoga would would you? They used to come to my classes when they lived at home, and yeah, of course, all my students loved them because they were hunky young men, and that they were—they've <laughs> always been wonderful. I've taught a lot of disabled people with physical or mental problems in the past, and they were those students in particular loved them. They were also brought up with this strong desire for equal access for everyone, so mm. they used to come and help me quite a lot actually well that's that's wonderful because yeah, i know yeah. a lot of parents now would love their children to be more involved in things like yoga and they're trying to introduce it in schools yeah, so, yeah. i suppose as it was part of your life but how did you ever have any challenges trying to involve them in yoga or was no it very because i never force them i mm. it's a bit like when you put your mat down and your dog or cat joins you the kids just join me they'd mm. as little children they'd crawl all over me and um as older children, they and their friends, I have to say, used to come and ask me if I could show them something to help them. Oh. Yeah, it was really interesting as they grew older. <laughs> oh, so they and were their friends too. They were yeah. happy for their friends to, yeah. to be involved yeah. and to show them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, wonderful. And you're now a grandmother. Is yoga a part of what you do with your with your grandchildren? Not yet. My yeah. grandson, who is four, has yeah. autism, mm -hmm. so 
which is why I live in Penguin, to help. And so for the last three years, I've been busily studying about autism. We can use yoga with autism, but at the moment, I see it more as a way just from using my voice to calm my grandson and to create that relationship with him as he gets older I'll introduce some of the techniques that we can use for children with autism with yoga but I guess when I'm with him I'm just very holistic with him and my little granddaughter is two so she sometimes well they both do crawl over their father now when they both do when he does yoga they kind of crawl over him like my kids used to crawl over me so none of it is has been forced in either in any of our generations actually in fact my mother was probably the biggest skeptic when I first did yoga and yet she became my most avid admirer as the years went by (laughs) she always did a yoga nidra till fairly recently because she's got fairly serious dementia now at age 94 but she did a yoga nidra daily she always attended my classes when we lived in the same city and she would put my business up as mothers do for awards and I'd say no mum (laughs) yeah but she was skeptical about it yeah at first because I was Mm. when I lived in Bali 20 or 21 or something and it was very new age for mum and dad was actually always interested which surprised me but he'd been in the war and I suppose seen both sides of human beings and so thought anything that could create peaceful intent was good he was really more interested than mum but she changed it was remarkable really yeah it's lovely to see that without any force of her own accord yeah Yeah, that they can interesting and then become hugely supportive and see the benefits she'd bring all her friends Mm. yeah yeah because you're right, in that, in that time it would have been seen as a new age and slightly yeah. different, but now it's mm. becoming more and more acceptable. Yeah. yeah, I used to have a class in her house with all her friends, actually. So, so they loved it. Oh, yeah. again, that theme of inclusivity. Yeah. When you're looking after your grandson with autism, what have you learned from that experience? You've obviously been learning a lot about autism. but Yeah, I knew uh, nothing. Yeah. I thought I knew about autism until yeah. you're confronted with it. And you're, it can be confronting. Yeah. I've learned to be really present and follow his lead and try to extend that lead, but mostly be a supportive, warm, love, additional carer for him. And we have a very close relationship, actually. I would have him every day if I could, but I also don't want to build that dependence. I have him quite a few days of the week. So, yeah, it's being present to his needs because... He communicates and understands communication in a different way. So, yeah, it's being totally present, which is actually part of all traditional philosophies, Mm. isn't it? Being present Mm. with Mm. people. So, yeah, I think that's what I've learned most, apart from the lack of services for autists, which are terrible. For a long time, there was no in the public health system in northwest Tasmania, a psychologist to do his assessment. It took years for him to see the paediatric doctor. 
once he was, I ended up paying for a private person to mm. diagnose him because it was clear to me it's quite a roller coaster. Parents go through disbelief, thinking it's not happening, whereas I could see what was happening. But after his diagnosis, then, for example, he only just started getting OT help. This is nearly two years after diagnosis about three months ago and mm. speech pathology about six months ago, which is why I've done so much training to give him those services as much as I could. So yeah, it's made me aware of how terrible the services for people with autism. I don't know if that's Australia-wide or worldwide or just in this area, I have no idea. I've just been confronted with the lack of services. And, and there's a few lovely little playgroups with some wonderful people leading them. In fact, we've started one because of my family's connection with circus. My daughter-in-law works at Slipstream. So did my son when he first moved here. And so there's now a little circus playgroup for kids with autism, which is wonderful. So again, it's people taking these initiatives from grassroots and not getting the professional help that it, everything you read says these early years are so important. And so it's hard not to panic that your child is missing out mm. just because you can't get access to the services. So, yeah. And I'm educated and knew how to access training, although I found it hard because I knew nothing about it. And so I have been doing a lot of paid for training but most people, especially in this area of Tasmania, don't have that resource, mm. either monetarily or to find. Most of my training is done from overseas places online, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying that as a grandmother, you could see what was happening and it's much harder for the parents yeah. to acknowledge that. And that must have been They're in difficult. denial, of course, because it was their first baby and... They didn't know anything about babies. Once they got the diagnosis and we all got over our grief because we all kept hoping it was, we were just imagining it, like me too. But for example, here you go to launching to learning from really when the baby's born at the schools, which is a wonderful initiative to get kids into school, but he was so different in... And the looks on other the other mothers' faces really made me distraught and he'd get distraught. So in the end, I just stopped going and we'd go and have lovely outings at the beach or something. Then what happens is you get to manage the child to keep them um, happy and calm, I would say. But really, there should have been some kind of way he could have joined in that and not been made to feel so different mm. and me not to be made to feel so different like I had this um, uncontrollable child or whatever there's a lot of lack of understanding including probably from me in the past mm. but once we all got used to the diagnosis and I went on this campaign to learn everything about autism we all just love him as the person he is and treat him accordingly and I guess we don't see quite so much the difference we just see him as he is and he started kindy this year which we were terrified about of course 
and he's going okay and it's hard for us you know I get there and he's the only kid wandering around by himself and all the other kids are playing together and of course my heart breaks but I'm looking at it from my knowledge of how people communicate I don't think he understands that he's not playing with other kids <laughs> so we've got to be very careful of that not putting our method of communication on him yeah know that you have had that experience and you've gone through the journey you said the initial grief and now coming through to acceptance and, and of, of him and who he is and, and, and loving him for what he is what advice would you pass on to parents and, and grandparents now who are maybe going through that process of, of initial diagnosis or coming through I would never presume to give anyone advice okay. I would tell them <laughs> what I've found mm, mm and how they can access services. But each child with autism mm. is a child with autism with different sensory needs. And yeah, I'm not someone who would ever give any advice to anyone. That's beautifully said, because you're right, each child is different, mm. but you can talk about your experience mm. as from your point of view. Yeah. And sometimes that, that can help if people relate to that. Yeah. Um, or not but just to also know that it's a, a, a confronting process as you said mm. but one that you do come through yeah as a grandmother and being a grandmother what would you say are some of the the loving warm moments that you enjoy about that role like every grandmother no <laughs> one could have prepared me oh. for how they change your life it's total unconditional love you give them what you never gave your children, mm. chocolates. <laughs> Spoil them, play with them. And, yeah, just be present with them in the most joyful of moments imaginable. Yeah, it's the most wonderful experience. I used to listen to my students talk about their grandchildren and I'd be polite and thought I'm an independent woman I'm not going to be like that I brought up my kids 150 percent it's time for me to have a break and it's the exact opposite as I said I could have them 24 7 and never get sick of them it's been such a shock to me oh. that total unconditional love for my little grandchildren that's oh, lovely and different to, to as a mum yeah I mean you have unconditional love you for your do, children but, but you've got to instigate house rules and regulations and mm. you do a bit to grandchildren for safety obviously but mm. there's something more grey about the or fuzzy about the areas of rules and regulations <laughs> <laughs> wonderful looking back on how it's different as a mum, what would you say were some of the more challenging moments as a mum of when your boys were younger? I was pretty dedicated to, to be honest, Catherine. The challenges didn't come to later, to be honest. Mm. Um, we were a very close family that did a lot. I took them travelling overseas and living in villages, as my parents had done for me. My little 
kids, yeah. I, I can't say they were challenging, one of them in particular in teenagehood and one, you know, later. And my main aim in bringing up my kids was that in this world they could be adaptable and they would all, always be there for each other. Mm. And now at ages 40 and 38, and they've both lived overseas a lot, one still is, I've seen that come to fruition. Both of them or each of them mm. is adaptable and they both um, will always help each other even though they're different and that was my main aim. And once again to have this strong idea of accessibility for all mm. people and they've both also done that with their yes. lives. So mm. yeah. It's lovely to look back on when parents are in the thick of it with the young children mm. and the, the challenges seem very real and the stresses but when you're able to look back when they're in their 40s I guess those things become almost insignificant because it's the bigger picture mm. that you can see but you can't always see it when you're in it yeah uh, yeah and there's a lot of change now although between my husband and I we never had the children minded he'd work in the day and I'd work at night but life has changed so much with childcare and I was one of the only working women because we needed the income. And I was determined my kids wouldn't miss out compared to the other mothers who didn't work. So I was probably a bit overboard in making sure I worked at night and they never had to get minded. But that's changed so much now that um, what my experience was. But yeah, it's hard being a parent as we all know how have you seen parenting change sadly there's more expectations on people to, yeah. to do and work and then when you're the person that doesn't you have to somehow justify yeah that. and when i it was the opposite with me when you were the person who worked you were looked down on oh you're a women's liberty and i'd go i'd mm. love not to work <laughs> i'd much rather play with the kids and yeah, so that's really changed. It hasn't really it? has, yeah. and that's come up in some of the previous episodes that that pressure oh, wow. to, to work yeah. or that it's somehow being a full time mum, you don't have anything else about you. But I that's know. not enough. It's awful. It's it's changing, but that's interesting that it's mm. done full hundred and eighty degree mm. <laughs> like from when mm. you're from your time. Yeah, yeah. and that, I mean that's not that long ago, really. No, no. So my kids were born in the eighties, so. Yeah, it's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Something that I have I've heard said before about my parents who are grandparents of that, that, that unconditional yeah, love and that ability yeah. to just play and be with yeah, them. And that's just yeah, beautiful yeah. to hear about. It's so nice to be able to look back on your time as a mum and, and see the difference mm. in that. Yeah. Annette, I'd like to say thank you very much for coming on. Truth oh, it's been nice been... to talk outside in nature. Yes. Take time out. In my life and it sit has. and talk and, and I feel I've also got to know more about you and oh, so, thank you Catherine and I can see you embody yoga and when you bring it to the class that connection with everyone is, is beautiful so oh, thank you Catherine and thank you very thank much thank you for asking me it's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed chatting with you me thank too you. talking to Annette was so reaffirming and I was left feeling like I do after her yoga sessions grounded, soothed and seeing the best in people. Help me get this episode out there. 
rate it, leave a review, share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, follow Truthbook for more episodes. Or even better, come on Truthbook. Your story of how you have navigated family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide.